William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was known for his passionate commitment to loving and serving people, particularly the poorest residents of the poorest sections of London. Many inspiring quotes about evangelism and Christian service have been attributed to Booth, but one of the most insightful quotes attributed to him is also the shortest. In 1910, the leaders of the Salvation Army invited the aged Booth to address their annual convention. It was scheduled to convene during the Christmas season, but Booth's health had deteriorated so much he was not able to attend. In fact, he died less than two years later. But since he could not be there in person, the meeting's organizers asked him to send a telegram to read to those in attendance. It was a 1910 version of a text message. Sending messages via telegram was costly, so Booth's remarks would have to be brief. Telegraph operators charged by the word, and the ministry's funds were limited, so William Booth would have to find some way to inspire his fellow workers using as few words as possible. According to the story, Booth pondered what he could say that would communicate his feelings and his heartbeat that had so inspired him to devote his life to ministering to people in need. He wanted to say something to motivate Salvation Army personnel who had selflessly given their time and their energy during the coldest and the darkest months of the year to serve the poorest and their most vulnerable neighbors. When the day of the convention arrived, the meeting hall filled with delegates eager to hear from their founder. When it was announced that Booth was not able to be present, you could feel palpable, tangible disappointment. But spirits lifted when somebody opened a telegram from Booth and the moderator prepared to read the founder's brief remarks. They said, we have a message from our founder, William Booth. On the telegram, Booth shared a single word, a word that succinctly summarized his life's work and the vision he had for the organization he had founded. The message simply read, Others. And we're going to hear more about serving others right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a warm day. It's not warm where we are right here, <laughs> but I hope it is where you are. You are listening to the one and only God's Word for Life Companion Podcast, and you're listening to LJ Harry. I'm happy to be here, happy to be your host. And this episode is entitled, Who Belongs? It is the start of a brand new series. It's right off the showroom floor. It doesn't even have a kilometer on it. And it is at the start of the series called, Putting Others First. This story stems from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 22, then 41 to 52. We're only going to read one verse, Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Others. That single word summarizes what motivated the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus outlined his ministry and mission in a simple statement to his disciples in Mark 10, 45, what we just read, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So let's answer the question right off the bat. Who belongs in God's kingdom? Everyone belongs. God's grace is not limited to a select few. The Bible closes with a beautiful open invitation to whosoever will. We read that in Revelation 22, verse 17. 
everyone can freely drink the living water Jesus offers, no matter if they're male or female, no matter what nation they've come from or ethnic identity or social status. Jesus went out of his way to minister to outsiders who had been rejected by the religious and the cultural establishment in his day. He stopped by a well in Samaria to minister to a Samaritan woman living in adultery. Jesus traveled to the Gentile lands of Tyre and Sidon where he cast the devil out of a Syrophoenician woman's daughter, and she was not a Jew. He called the tax collector Zacchaeus out of a sycamore tree and went home for dinner with him, causing the whole community to question Jesus' choice of company. You know, Jesus, you shouldn't be hanging around them people. But Jesus never apologized for loving people, especially the people everybody else seemed to find distasteful. In a single chapter, the Gospel of Mark makes it clear that Jesus loved and cared for everyone, no matter the person's status or station. In Mark 10, Jesus ministered to individuals from three distinct walks of life. He ministered to children, he ministered to a rich young ruler, and he ministered to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Parents seemed to be excited for their kids to meet Jesus. They brought them to meet him. In our culture, we expect politicians and preachers to kiss babies and give candy to children, but that wasn't the case in the first century. Children in Jesus' day were not considered important. In Greek and Roman culture, infanticide was common. In fact, it was even acceptable. Wicked King Herod, you may remember, murdered baby boys in Bethlehem, seemingly without even a second thought. Despite what some people may argue, today's widespread acceptance of abortion reveals that 21st century North American attitudes toward children, they're not that much different. Jesus' disciples adopted the prevailing attitude of their culture because they responded to this intrusion on Jesus' time. They rebuked the kids and their parents. How dare you keep your kids away from Jesus? He's too busy. But imagine their surprise when Jesus offered his own rebuke when he responded, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Mark 10 verse 14. In the same verse, Mark records that Jesus was very displeased with his disciples' lack of love and compassion for children. We're going to talk about this later, gentlemen. Jesus is still not pleased with those who neglect the well-being of children. Sadly, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual needs of the youngest members of our society, they're often sacrificed on the altar of career advancement, making money, and some other temporal distractions. And yet our God loves and cares for every child including the fatherless, the orphan, the abused, and yes, the unborn baby in the womb. How we treat the youngest and most vulnerable in our society is a direct reflection of our attitude toward Jesus. Which brings us to our first probing question. In what ways can we show love and care for children, particularly those not part of our own family? Not long after this story, Jesus encountered a man who was known to be a rich young ruler. Now, he has hit the hat trick, the trifecta, the triple crown. Rich, he's young, he's a ruler. He had everything going for him. Luke 18, verse 18, describes him as a ruler. He didn't fit the same demographic profile as Jesus' disciples, who were pretty much common men. They didn't have any power, they didn't have any wealth, at least not by worldly standards. The disciples might have been impressed by this man's prestige and his money and his even his youth. Like, how can you do that? You're young, you're rich, you're a ruler? Wow. And people today, we see that around. We are awed by wealth and awed by celebrity. 
The disciples might have even felt a twinge of insecurity at the prospect that this man might become one of them. If somebody with this rich ruler's credentials decided to follow Jesus, how would that affect the disciples' place in the spiritual pecking order? But Jesus was not awed by the rich young ruler's wealth or his power or his perceived righteousness. Neither was Jesus intimidated by his social standing. Jesus simply loved him. Mark 10, verse 21, it's a beautiful verse. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Here's a question, and this is one I really want you to think about. Do you feel jealous or insecure when other people excel in areas where you struggle? And if you do, how can you change those feelings? Now that's a question worth conversation. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem and toward the cross, Mark records one more overlooked person Jesus cared for. As Jesus left Jericho, he was interrupted once again, but this time by the plaintive cries of a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. The crowd accompanying Jesus tried to shame the blind man into silence, but Bartimaeus would not be denied in his effort to get Jesus' attention. As Mark wrote, he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Mark 10 verse 48. You could hear desperation in Bartimaeus' voice. And that desperation arrested Jesus' attention. The noise of the crowd, the bustle of the city, it could not drown him out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The love Jesus had for hurting people caused him to place his plans on hold. He stopped and he commanded the crowd to call Bartimaeus. He wanted to meet him. Perhaps Bartimaeus was surprised. Jesus actually noticed his Christ. He's got better things to do. He's got a lot more important people to see. And yet, Jesus stopped to see a blind man who could not see. As a blind beggar, he was used to being ignored. People tried to hurry by him as quickly as possible, hoping he would not notice them and ask for their money. Their typical response was akin to what most of us do when we see a roadside panhandler. Come on, you know who you are. I should say we know who we are. Sometimes we pretend not to notice. Like, well, looky there, clouds. In our day, we keep the windows rolled up. We avoid eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And we pray that red light turns green. You know what? Let me just stop here just for a moment. You may not have any change, may not have any money, no cash, whatever. But let's not avoid eye contact. I mean, we can always say, I'm sorry, I really truly don't have any money. But whoever that is, whether you agree with the way they've lived their life or not, is still a human created in the image of God. The next time you see somebody panhandling along the road or sitting along the sidewalk, rather than avoid eye contact, what if we just make eye contact and say good morning or hello or hi or just ask, how are you? If you don't have any money, you don't have any money. And if you do, you don't want to give it. That's between you and God. That's, But let's, let's try to help restore some humanity and dignity to them. See, Jesus, Jesus cares about those society neglects and rejects. Jesus welcomes the homeless and the handicapped. He was on his way to save the world from sin. But it took time for a blind beggar. Everybody else tried to silence Jesus did not overlook the one while on his way to save the many, even when the one was considered to be the bottom rung of the social ladder. Jesus transformed Bartimaeus from a high wayside blind beggar into a walking, seeing, 
testimony that still teaches us 2,000 years later about the love Jesus has for all people, especially the ones the world rejects and neglects. As spirit-led believers, we must be sensitive to the needs of everybody we encounter, even the rich young rulers of our time, even the children, even the beggar. The rich young ruler might drive a luxury import and live in a gated community, but it doesn't mean they have no needs. Like Jesus, we must be perceptive to what's really going on and be prepared to minister to them in any way possible. The kindest, most compassionate thing we can do for others is to share the gospel with them. People need to hear about the God who loves them so much he came to earth and went to the cross for them. If we're looking for a way to help others, let's begin by sharing this message of eternal salvation with others. Here's another question. How can we increase our sensitivity to the needs of others, including their spiritual needs? Jesus didn't just have warm, fuzzy feelings in his heart toward others. His actions demonstrated his love. He summed that up in Mark 10, verse 45, when he said, you've heard it twice already, how about three times? For even the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was willing to give everything, even his life, just to minister to other people. Jesus' love and compassion were not limited to his own family or his friends or his followers. The writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, made it very clear that Jesus' love is for everyone. Love motivated everything Jesus did. Matthew summed up Jesus' itinerary by saying, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 9, verse 35. He did not stay on the road preaching because he wanted to build his brand or he was expecting a financial windfall. No. Matthew wrote in the following verse, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Compassion. That's what moved Jesus. His love was more than a feeling. He expressed his love through action. And sadly, Jesus' love is not always reciprocated. Jesus' love did not make everybody happy. The end of the rich young ruler's story is found in a melancholy verse in Mark 10. And he was sad at that saying after Jesus told him that he needed to sell everything he had, give it to the poor. He would have treasure in heaven, not on earth, but in heaven. Then you can come and follow. And after he said that, Jesus recognized there was a change in heart in the rich young ruler. And Mark recorded he was sad. He went away grieved for he had great possessions. Real love doesn't always lead to rosy outcomes. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth, and in the end he was crucified by those who didn't want to hear it. Although Jesus knew what was coming, he bravely continued his journey to Jerusalem and to the cross. While his disciples did not understand the full weight of what was happening, Jesus' teaching and selfless example would serve as the inspiration for their future lives of sacrificial love toward others. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he repeatedly called followers to show love through acts of service. At one point, he told them, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Jesus promised that the smallest acts of service would not go unnoticed. And Later in the same gospel, Jesus told a story of sheep and goats. Sheep were those who did the will of God, but goats were those who did not. And he concluded Matthew 25 by saying, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. 
Matthew 25, verse 40. When we serve others, we are serving Jesus. Here's a pretty sober question. If you stood before Jesus today, would he consider you a sheep or a goat? And if you feel more like a goat than a sheep, how can you change that? Now, have you ever regretted a missed opportunity to do good? Sometimes we overlook opportunities to show love to others because we're consumed with our own problems. Sometimes life's challenges leave us without the time or the energy or the resources to help other people. It happens to everybody. But God did not intend these challenges to be the norm. If we're always so overwhelmed by our own problems we can't help others, we should rethink how we're living. If we're always so rushed that we can't stop to help someone in need, we probably should leave a little earlier or prepare a little better. Maybe our first step should be dedicating some of our resources to serving others. Could we set aside a few dollars a month to give to somebody with an unexpected need? Maybe you're a little reticent to give to somebody you don't know, but there are certainly people in your church family who have needs. Maybe widows, single moms, widowers, someone who just lost their job. And you can be a blessing to them. You can give them something to help them through those tough times. What if we blocked off an afternoon each month to serve others in our community? Maybe we could work in a soup kitchen or a food pantry. Or maybe we could go to a community complex and see if we could have a service for children in their community room. There are a lot of things we could do to minister to other people. And maybe you've got a special skill or talent you can use to minister to others. What do you have God has given you to minister to other people? Let's use our creativity, our imagination. Let's be willing to act. The only constraints we have are the ones we place on ourselves. Our imagination, our willingness are really the only constraints. Jesus promised, if we will seek, we will find. And this can apply to service just as much as to prayer. If we look for opportunities to do good to others, God will provide. So let's be like Jesus. I love the t-shirt that reads, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. Uh, That's a great word of advice. But Jesus also ministered to the marginalized and the outcast and the rejected and the neglected. So let's be like Jesus and let's pray for God to lead us to people who need us to serve them. Okay, we wrap this up. One parable in the Gospel of Luke still serves as one of the greatest stories of care and compassion for others. It's inspired countless acts of love and kindness since the day Jesus first shared it with his followers. A religious scholar stepped forward to ask Jesus a question, but he was really trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus answered with a question of his own. The religious scholar did his homework, and he quoted from Leviticus 19, where God commanded the people of Israel to love thy neighbor as thyself. Then the scholar asked, So who is my neighbor? Jesus responded by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, let me tell you a story. A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by a vicious band of brigands, thieves, rapscallions, scallywags, 'er ne'er-do-wells. They beat him half to death. They left him lying along the roadside to die of his wounds. And soon, here came a priest and a Levite traveling down the same road. And when he heard that, I'm sure the religious scholar thought, Oh, good, two good men to do good deeds. But Jesus continued, 
Both of those men were so preoccupied with their religious duties, they failed to notice the bleeding man lying by the side of the road. That was the best case scenario. Worst case, they callously, coldly ignored him. They passed by without even asking if he was all right. And those were the good guys. But thankfully, another traveler came along. This man was a Samaritan. And the mere mention of Samaritan causes Jesus' audience to wince. Jews hated Samaritans. But thankfully for the wounded man, the Samaritan was not as cold and calculated as the Jewish priest and the Levite. When the Samaritan saw the wounded man, he had compassion on him. And that shocked Jesus' Jewish audience. The Samaritan provided emergency medical treatment to stabilize the man's condition before transporting him to safety where he could receive additional care. Health insurance and government-funded medical care, they weren't part of daily life. So paying for the cost of treatment fell to the Samaritan, and yet he willingly shouldered that financial burden. So Jesus asked the religious scholar, So you ask me who is my neighbor? Well, I ask you, which one of those was the neighbor to the man in need? Being a neighbor, it's more than just sending up an emergency prayer to God to remind him of how bad things are on earth while we silently hope somebody else comes along to help. Jesus calls us to personally get involved, and he reminds us, as I have reminded you, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, verse 45. Being like Jesus means ministering to others, no matter who they are or who they aren't, no matter where they're from, and no matter what it costs. I'd like us to pray. Let's pray for God to help us to see the needs of other people even above our own needs. And then the harder part of the prayer, let's pray for God to use us today to help meet those needs. Lord Jesus, I want to see through your eyes. I want to see people as you see them. You don't see them as interruptions. You don't see them as burdens. You see them as people for whom you died. You laid down your life. You created in your own image. I want to see them like you see them. Help me today, Jesus, to see if there are children who are neglected or children who are often ignored. Help me to see them today, at the very least, to smile, to ask how they are. If there are people who are of great social status, like the rich young ruler, and yet are hungry, want to follow you, want to know you, God, help me to share the gospel with them. Help me to share the good news with them, no matter how much they have or how much they don't. If there are beggars, if there are those who have nothing and have nothing to offer me, help me still be willing to share this glorious gospel with them and to be able to bless them in some way, whether monetarily, financially. However you want to use me, God, I pray, help me to bless them, to see them. Help every one of us today to be a blessing to somebody in need. Use us for your glory, I pray, and do it all, and help us to do it all. In the wonderful, lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click that subscribe button, share button. Be sure to click the notifications in case you're listening on YouTube or some other way. Make sure you get notifications so you'll know when an episode drops. I'm working the schedule now that I am 
at, here in St. Louis and able to work at the Pentecostal Resources Group full-time. I'm trying to work the schedule where I can get these out on Friday for teachers who are getting ready to teach as a tool to help them prepare for teaching. And then, of course, it's going to be available after the Sunday when many of the classes have already been taught for those to hear it for the first time or to go back and listen to it again. So my plan is to have these out by noon central time on Fridays. Hopefully that'll be a blessing for you teachers and those small group leaders who are preparing to get ready for the weekend or for your small groups. So again, subscribe, share, like, follow, and turn the notifications on so this can be a blessing to you and you can share it with others and it can be a blessing for them. Speaking of a blessing, I've got a great blessing for you. Pentecostalpublishing.com is a great resource if you're looking for tools to help you in your devotional life, in your walk with God, in somebody else's walk with God. If you're looking to teach or to share or to preach or to sing or you're looking to learn, all of that available at pentecostalpublishing.com. Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, devotions, you name it, it's there. Head on over to pentecostalpublishing.com and you'll find great resources, including God's Word for Life. Next week, we're going to continue driving down the road in this brand new series, Putting Others First, and we're going to take a look still in Mark chapter 10. We're going to camp out there in Mark chapter 10 and continue to take a look at this rich young ruler and find out where did it all go wrong. That episode is called Kingdom Values. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.